Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is the hilarious London-based comedian, Maria Shahada. Maria is the co-host of the Two Non-Doctors podcast, and you can also catch her on Dave TV's Guide to Life. This was so fun to record, and I think you're really going to love it. Here you go. Hey, Maria, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good. I think we're doing it. I'm proud of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is, uh, there's endless problems with uh, Zoom recordings, and I cannot wait to be uh, done with this. I guess, although it's it's a nice tool to have during pandemic and everything, you know? Lifesaver. It's such a lifesaver. Yeah. Um, so you're in London right now. How is that? How's th- How are things going? Things are good. Things are starting to open up a bit, although like... Mm-hmm experts always ruin it so it's like the government's like be free and then scientists are like you're gonna die <laughs> so like everybody's <laughs> yeah. like uh do we be should we be happy right now no um so we might have a third wave we might all be back in our little holes again but for now you know i'm enjoying it because the weather's nice going to the pool all that stuff so it's been good oh shows are back yeah you have a lot of gigs coming up yeah. You and I'll see, I I feel like every time I look at your Instagram or something, I'm like, holy shit, you've got 600 shows coming up. What is going yeah. on? <laughs> it's awesome. It is awesome. And uh, yeah, and then it's just like, they just sort of come in and then I'm like, holy, oh my God, I have a lot of shows. I should brag. I should make everyone jealous. And so that's yeah, what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Is there one in particular <laughs> or a couple that you're like really looking forward to this year? Um, well, ooh, I'm going to Dubai in December. So. I love it. I'm so jealous. I'm in in enraged with jealousy. Well, I wanted to ask you that because I know that I know that you're like dying to go there, but like why? I don't know. Just because it seems so mysterious, and I I mean it's not really. I have this sounds so lame, but I have a lot of my friends have been, and so it's like not that big of a deal. But like I love to travel, and. Um, yeah, there's something about the Middle East that just is a little bit more exciting. I know what it is. It's just mm-hmm. that much out of reach for most people. Do you know what I yes. mean? Yes, yes so exactly. It's like it's almost like a little bit like uh, clout. It's like, oh, look, yeah. I mean, I'm doing... If I'm they were doing, doing a show in Antarctica, I'd be like, well, I have to, obviously, yeah. get to Antarctica. <laughs> it's like wherever fewer people have been is where I want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you get know. that. I get that. Um, That's my whole thing. Well, you better hurry because I'm going to conquer all the places before you get there. And you're going to be well, like, already it. here. <laughs> yeah, my headshot's already on the wall. You're like, fuck this bitch. I, <laughs> I love it. So you grew up in Ohio. Where where exactly in Ohio did you grow up? Uh, Assumption Drive? No. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I was in Columbus. So I was in a suburb of Columbus. Yeah. And did you, when you were growing up, did you know you wanted to get into comedy? No, I'd never even seen stand-up till I was like 16 or 17 or something. And then do you remember back in the day on Comedy Central, there mm-hmm. was a whole string of Comedy Central Presents full of like just amazing people, right? Yes. Do you remember that it was like Kathleen Madigan and Jim Gaffigan and Nick Swartzen and Bill Burr and like that whole like yeah. era, like Dane Cook. And so mm-hmm. I started getting, like, I think Jim Gaffigan's special was the first stand-up special I'd ever seen. Really? And, uh, yeah. I saw it on prom night too. So we, it was like we were all... <laughs> While you were getting fingered. Yeah, I was getting fingered and I was just watching <laughs> Jim Gaffigan and laughing. It was a whole weird mix of emotions happening. And um, 
No, I wasn't. I was so lame. But like just a group of friends, we, we got a hotel room and like partied, like after partied at a hotel room. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, people were like making out around me. And I'm just like flipping through the TV. <laughs> I'm such a dork. <laughs> I didn't, I hadn't gone to prom with a boyfriend. I went with a friend. And so it's just like, I'm like, and then like Jim Gaffigan, his uh, special was on and I just started watching it. I was like, oh my God, this is so great. Guys, you got to watch this. I, you probably don't want to watch it right now. <laughs> I love that you said uh, after party in like a sentence that immediately followed by watching Jim Gaffigan's special. Like Jim Gaffigan isn't watching his special at an after party. Do you know what no. I'm saying? Like, <laughs> change, change my life though. <laughs> like, yeah. Really? Wait. So when you watched it, were you like, that's what I want to do? Talk about hot dogs or whatever. No, I didn't even like because I didn't even know what it was as an art form. I was just like, this is so like, I didn't know people could just you could just stand on stage and tell jokes about your life. And Mm -hmm. I just was amazed by it. And, you know, like when you're watching stand up, I think the things you relate to or you're just like, I feel that way. That's hilarious. I never thought about, you know, and so I was just um, I was just excited. There was something like that that I was connecting with. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, after I graduated college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And what'd you uh, study in school? Retail merchandising. So I went for um, dietetics. I wanted to get into nutrition. And then I was so bad at science that they sat me down and they were like, you're really bad at science. And I don't think (laughs) this is for you. They're like, we have to have an intervention. They had to sit me down and be like, we don't think this is for you. Um, and so I, I was like, well, what they're like, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. And so they were, I was like, where do my, most of my credits transfer into? And they were like, you could do interior design. And I was like, great. Turns out I'm also bad at art. And so (laughs) that sort of just careened me into retail merchandising, (laughs) which is like, I majored in shopping. Like, so like my, that's hysterical. My thesis paper was on early 90s fashion, which was me watching mm-hmm. episodes of Friends and talking about scrunchies. And so it's just like, Amazing. I was like, just get me out of here. I just give me the degree. <laughs> get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. And so I remember I was driving back like, like diploma on my passenger side. And like, I was, I was, I was like, I don't know. I don't want to do this. I don't want a nine to five job. And then somebody, something in my brain was like, why don't you work at the comedy club? And I was like, like. Okay, actually. <laughs> so straight from college to the comedy club. And I was like, I was just following my instincts. You know, those moments when you're like, I don't know, mm-hmm. this is all intuition. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but I'm here. And I was like, I'm here to, to apply for you're a like, job. No one can sit you down and tell you you're not good at working at a comedy club. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can't fail out of that. Yeah, not like, <laughs> you're not good at comedy club. Like you're just not good at. But it turns out I wasn't good at comedy club because like waiting tables is very hard. Um, and so I was like, "Give me a job." You know, I didn't say that. I was like, "You know, are you hiring?" And she was like, "No." And I was like, "That's weird," because like all of my instincts told me to come here. So like I don't understand why I'm now being met with a wall. Um, I like this story. I have no idea if it's actually interesting, but I'm going to tell it anyway. And so. I was like, well, can I have an application? She was like, I guess, you know, but like, we're not hiring. Here's your application. Goodbye. And I was hungry. So I went to Chipotle, which was across, like the other side of the mall. And mm-hmm. um, at Chipotle was the manager of the Funny Bone who I'd met. Like I'd seen a couple live shows and I'd met him. And uh, I was like, oh, hey, I was just at the Funny Bone. I was um, applying for a job, but you're not hiring. He was like, yes, we are. We're hiring for box office. <laughs> I was like, oh, because the lady at the box office told me you were hiring. He's like, we are. So um, basically what happened was uh, there was only two applicants because I guess she told everybody they weren't hiring and um, the other oh guy didn't show God. up. 
<laughs> so I got the job. And the, and Just that's by what, default. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm like still careening in my life, by the way, like careened into retail merchandising. And now I'm just careening into the world of comedy. And so that's what that's what got me started in the whole thing. Um, that's awesome. And then so you're working at the box office at the Funny Bone in Columbus. And did you enjoy that? Or were you like, this is I need something more? No, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I was taking it all in. I was like, you know, because um, the box office was like daytime hours and end of the night, you know, like as you're seating people. But uh, so during the day, if I worked in the box office, I would just take some calls from comedians or from people who wanted to book. But I got to watch stand up on Comedy Central during the day on the TV they had. And then at night, I would just stay after my shift and just watch the comics. And so I was just watching I all the time. I was like such a super fan. And like you meet those super uh-huh. fans now and you're like, chill out. But like I was that person, uh-huh. like talking to all the comics like, oh, so you, you come from New York. What's that like? You know, it's just like this annoying thing that attached. <laughs> tell you're me like about the world outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like tell me about life outside of Ohio. And, yeah. Um, Wait, had you not traveled outside of Ohio at this point? I'd been to Egypt mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd been to Denver, but I hadn't like... Like those, you Two know, very similar places. That was probably the same, the same trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, just on my way to Egypt, I stopped through Denver. And um, so, but no, but like, I was just so, uh, I guess it, around that time, so I was getting into comedy. A lot of the comedians I was watching and loving were from New York. I got on uh, the forums. So there was like the cringe humor forum and there were just like message boards and stuff that comedians were on. Mm-hmm. And I, I just sort of like started talking to people in New York and, you know, you'd hear from the comedians and from people on message boards how much stage time there was there and all that stuff. And I was just like, this sounds like an amazing place. Like, and I wanted to do comedy at this point, but like, I was still like, I never thought I could do it. So I was like, maybe I could be a manager or an agent. Um, so I was kind of thinking on those terms, but mm-hmm. um, I was just, I was, I was, I was absorbing everything. I'd watch the comedian documentary and the commentary like over and over and over again. Um, and just like whatever I could do to, learn and find out more about this whole world so i love it just in every direction talking to people message boards documentaries Uh, there's a a two drink minimum magazine that i'd subscribe to i've never Um, even heard of this this is amazing i have i have like an old copy somewhere in my room but yeah so it's just um like a sponge and just and it took me about a year and a half of just i would just go and sit at open mics and just watch the comedians and people are like when are you getting on stage i'm like oh i don't know i don't really have anything i don't know <laughs> and uh, but i was writing i was writing with the open micers and i was hanging out and like you know but i just didn't i couldn't do it and then finally my friend jason he's in new york um he uh uh jason Cantor, but he signed me up cuz he was hosting an open mic and he just signed me mm-hmm. up at uh, the scarlet and gray cafe it was on osu's campus and I was like, I was like way down on the list. So I was going to get on stage late at a campus bar. And you know, like campus bar yeah, open mics. That sounds like you, terrible. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, I was shitting myself. Um, <laughs> so I just had a lot of Jaeger and I went up and I still have this recording on like one of those like little mini tape recorders somewhere. Oh and, my God. Uh, I don't even know if it still plays, but it's so old. But um and I, I, I went on stage and I got like titter, like they laughed, but I, it felt like out of pity almost because I was so nervous that I was just like words mm-hmm. were just coming out of my face. Just like, yeah. for, like, <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't there. I was just saying things and I'm like getting through it. And I think they just had such pity on me that people like they didn't heckle me. They were just like, mm-hmm. I got a little bit of laughs, but I think I just needed to like get it out of the way. I think I needed to just like, cause I was building up 
going on stage for that first time so high up, like in my mind, I was like building it up that it was just becoming too mythical. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And I talked to yeah, everybody. Because I think before you go on stage the first time, you're like, it. Uh, I think that you, you see people doing it really well, like Jim Gaffigan or Kathleen Madigan, and you, it doesn't feel, it feels like magic that they're doing. You know, it's not like. Yeah. It's like, that's not a thing that I can do. You can't train for that. And you also like, you'd never, like when you're first starting out, you don't know how much work goes into it, which, you know, I'm sure most people would quit if you knew how much fucking work (laughs) it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. If somebody was like, oh, you'll, you'll do it for like 17 years and, and maybe have like one credit. I'd be like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But like. I remember like watching these live shows and just looking at these comedians and like looking at the audience. It's 300 people who like who were in the room and just them just laughing, just crying and just thinking like that's got to be the most amazing feeling. That's so mm-hmm. powerful. But like like and you're doing good. You're making people happy. You're making them laugh. And I'm just sitting in the, like like this. The, I was uh, always on the side of the stage like that. I had like my stool um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and I was just like in awe of it. I couldn't believe that anyone could do that. And then cut to me now. I'm like, I don't know who gives a shit. <laughs> but <laughs> back then, I thought it was godlike. That's so. Like after you did your first open mic, were you like, were did you immediately feel like you wanted to stick with it, or was it like, well, we'll, we'll see what happens? Yeah, this is kind of stupid, but I cried. I was like, I've done it. Like I got over the major major hurdle. Oh, I love that. Uh huh. Yeah. And so, I mean, it wasn't like the most amazing set. I didn't die. I got, I, I conquered that fear and I got it out of the way and I just wanted to keep doing it. And, um, I did comedy in Columbus for about six months, but I'd always wanted to move to New York. Like, well, since I'd gotten into comedy and started like Mm -hmm. taking in everything New York. So I, uh, contacted my cousins in Staten Island and I was like, can I come stay with you? And, uh, they said, yes, I don't know why. So, so nice of them. They're like, sure. And I told my dad and mom, I was like, well, you know, I have a degree in retail merchandising and like all the stores are in New York. <laughs> like, I didn't tell them it was because I wanted to do comedy. You're just gaslighting them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I never tell them anything about stand up. They just find out through like, I think the, <laughs> the Columbus Dispatch outed me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had moved to New York uh, to get a job, quote unquote. And um, I was doing comedy over there. And then um, I had a friend who worked at the dispatch and she, she was she was like, somebody wants to do an article on you about how like, you know, this Columbus girl moved to New York mm-hmm. to do stand up. And I did. And then my dad's reading the paper like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like your parents find out through press, you know, it's not like. Oh, yeah. When my uh, when my engagement broke up, they found out through the New York Times article I wrote about it. <laughs> like, oh, you know. My God, are you serious? I mean, (laughs) I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like they they read that. I love the idea of you just only communicating for your, like to your parents through media. And you're like, well, tune in to ABC this fall, Thursdays at nine to find out what's going on with my life. (laughs) Right. That's why I'm glad I'm doing this podcast. I have something to say to my parents, mom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's great. Wait, so when you got to New York, did you just dive right in? Yeah. So I got, um, I had a binder and I filled it full of like notebook paper and I wrote down, I went through the timeout New York's 
and um, I'd go to shows and then ask people about mm-hmm. shows, but I wrote down all the open mics, how much they were, because it was either like pay to perform or you'd have to buy two oh, drinks yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. how much time you got, where they were in the city they were. So I've got like my map and I've got this list so I can figure out like how to maximize as much stage time as possible Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. While I'm doing this, my aunt and uncle who are now in charge of me, I mean, I was 25, but they were like, we need you. I mean, New York's a big city. We're not safe, comfortable with you coming home late. We need you home by 8 p.m. And I was like, no. yeah. First of all, 8 p.m., you're co- you've graduated college. You are a, a retail machine right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On paper. <laughs> like, 8 p.m. is an absurd time to ask a, a 10-year-old to be home, let alone an adult. I know. I know. And, like, I have some sympathy for them because they're looking after, you know, mm-hmm. their niece. It's not, you know, they don't want me to die under their watch like I can I can understand that but at the same time like that wasn't working for what I was trying to do and um so you know I called my parents and my dad was like well just come home then and I was like no (laughs) so and I I had a job in an I was working with like four headhunters and I found an office job and uh a girl I was working with was like why don't you come live on my couch and so I moved out of Staten Island into like the garbage on the Upper East Side because she had this basement apartment and it was oh, a one boy. bedroom rail, railway railroad apartment. Um, oh wow! And the the window like ha- like it was like a half a window, and it looked out onto the garbage cans. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, "This is paradise." This is paradise, and it was like another kind of like like lame moment, but I still feel kind of good about it. Is that it was on mm-hmm. um, Indep- Independence Day, so it was like this is my. I love that. Wait, so where are you working at this point? I was working at a company, um, it was like a hedge fund, and it was on 56th and 5th, and it mm-hmm. was beautiful, it was a beautiful office, it was like on um, the 46th floor, and it was overlooking Central Park, and it's just... Oh, nice. Just owned by the richest family, <laughs> and uh, who my boss, he was so cool, he liked me because I did well on the personality test, but I always do well on personality tests, because I know how to answer the like personality tests, you just know what people are looking for, because <laughs> I'm yeah, psychotic. it's like... It's also like, I don't know who is failing these. Like sometimes when I see these, uh, some of the questions on a personality test, it'll be like, uh, true or false. Sometimes uh, I haul off and punch a hole in the wall. And it's like, um, say false, guys. Just say false. That You don't do that, you know? That's so true. I'm like, I was surprised that he was like, oh, you did great on that. I'm like, how could you not? How could you not? But, I was like, but then I took it in as like, I guess I'm just well adjusted on paper and um so he hired me even though I did I had comedy club experience and like (laughs) oh like I I I remember interviewing for for jobs and this um I only say he's Indian because like it's like it seems like immigrants generally tend to go for like my parents you know doctor lawyer engineer Mm -hmm. like these professional jobs and so this Indian man was like interviewing me and I'm telling him about my comedy club experience he was like comedy club and I was like, yeah, so I worked in the box office at a comedy club and like, you know, like playing up. I was executive <laughs> assistant to the, I'm, like, I'm just bullshitting yeah, yeah. this guy. And he, and he's just like wondering what I'm doing sitting across from him. He was like comedy club. Like, and uh, it was for, I think, an executive he was assistant. Like, I don't position. even understand these words going together. Yeah. And I, and then uh, for no reason at all, he was like, do you have any siblings? I was like, I have an older brother. And he was like, so there are two of you. I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 
What? Did he what think that your of... brother was going to come fill in for you sometimes? I don't know. What an impression <laughs> I was making on him. But just like, I just felt like I was like this huge fuck up sitting across from him. Like he was like, so, so your parents raised two fuck ups is what I'm hearing. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's like, this what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember like my boss, he was on Letterman, like way, like in the 1970s or whenever Letterman first got his job. And I guess they needed guests. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd been, I've been looking all over YouTube for the footage. I can't find it, but I did see it when I worked there because someone had it. And um, he was just a guest on Letterman because he had family in Colombia. And I forget, I forget what the connection was, but they were like, call your family in Colombia. And so he like calls them. Like, <laughs> This is a finance guy. He's not a comedian or anything. <laughs> like, he like doesn't even understand the concept of a comedy club, but he's got a Letterman <laughs> credit that everyone in the world wishes they had. Cool. Thanks, yeah. dude. <laughs> oh, sorry. So like, yeah, those are two separate guys. The, the, the oh, guy who okay, didn't hire okay. me. But the guy who did like my personality, um, <laughs> like kind of had like this, like, like he was just like, oh, I was on Letterman. I'm like, whoa, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. That's funny. So you're working at this finance place doing spots in New York. Did you love New York right away? Or were you like, did it feel tough? Oh, I, I loved it. I hit the ground running. I loved it. And it was tough in a good way. I, I was just New York still like, I'm still in awe of it. I'll just walk around that city being like, Jesus, it's beautiful. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So enamored with it. Just like even the like the urine smell. And I know a lot of people say that <laughs> it's just you just love it. And but I was also like, bright eyed and, and, you know, and I would be on the ferry when when I was living in Staten Island, I'd go from the ferry to Manhattan to get to work. Just so excited. But by like a few months later, cause I would look around at people and be like, what's everybody's problem? You know, cause everybody's kind of like, it's the morning they're on the ferry and this is a trip they made every day. But I was just like, this is, I can't, the Statue of Liberty's right there. The lower Manhattan, this is beautiful. Yeah. Why are you guys I still all like, feel that way. Blown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but then I'm you make the trip so enough times and you're just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, no, I was in love with New York. And, um, I, you know, I was starting a new relationship then, too. And um, mm-hmm. oh, I loved it. How long were you in New York? Just under four years. And um, I I was doing the shows. I'd run a show at uh, Joe Franklin's Comedy Club, which was this terrible comedy club. Um, it was in the back of a restaurant in Times Square called Charlie O's. And they did not like the comedy. And so we were yeah, just all like, of this sounds like a night. Times Square is the worst place on earth. Everything it's about hell. it was so shit. And so like, they didn't pay any attention to the comedy. We had one mic that didn't have a cord and it would cut out at the punchlines. Like it was trying to, like it would cut out <laughs> at punchlines. The audience was always like, we would like flyer them in half the time. They didn't speak English because we would just be doing our set and then they wouldn't be laughing. They'd just be staring at us. And then somebody would inevitably find out they didn't even speak English. And it's just like two Dutch people going, <laughs> and, you know, when people fly or have you ever flyered like, um, Bart? I haven't. Um, but I didn't, by the time I like was doing spots in New York, I'd established myself a little bit in LA. So I didn't have to bark people into shows. Oh, okay. Uh, so I kind it's... of missed that. I mean, I still have to fucking promote things, but not, on the street to strangers, fortunately. It was such a rite of passage, but it was mm-hmm. really hard. And you're just out there for hours trying to get people into it. And that's what you did for stage time. And, um, you know, people just ignore you. And then so you'd start to, like, kind of be... Some people would just straight up lie. Like, Dave Chappelle's on the show, you know? Oh, yeah. But- I've seen flyers in New York that are like, come see Tina Fey. And I'm like, she has literally never done stand-up. That doesn't yeah, even yeah, make yeah. sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> but what you, I mean, what most people did was say, like, um, you know, the show that, like, Chappelle and Chris Rock have been on at one point. Mm-hmm. But you sort of bury that. And so it's so vague. It's like, I mean, honestly, the Pope could have been on the fucking show for, for with the qualifications you give. <laughs> yeah. And so, right. And so, like, people come expecting Chris Rock and like there's this one show called the world and it was literally 20 barkers and then one headliner who was like medium level and they would never get, and I would host those and I would be like, you're going to love your next comedian. I know I've lied to you for the past 18. Please don't leave. <laughs> like, this is a close friend of mine. That's like my, I, I, that's the most hilarious uh, and deceitful intro with like for a crowd when you're like, this next person coming up, great friend of mine, hilarious comic. You've seen him all over. It's like, just, it's you know, just one line of bullshit after the next. It's because they have no credits. There's nothing to yeah, say about them. So exactly. Like, performs all over. Um, yeah, so I ran the show at Joe Franklin's, and I would go down to the cellar with absolutely no self-awareness whatsoever and just be like, Bill Burr, do you want to do my show at Joe Franklin's? And, like, Tom Papa and Bill Burr and Jim Gaffigan and all those guys, they they, they would come. And and us open micers who are, like, two years in are just like, this is awesome, you know? And then, and then mm-hmm. the mic would cut out at their punchline, and it was just all so fucking... <laughs> Awful. Wait, and you knew Bill from Ohio, right? Yeah, he was, he came through Ohio and I was like, so what happened was he was coming on the Rich Bitch tour. So when he was doing Dave Chappelle, like the Chappelle show, it was mm-hmm. supposed to be him, Charlie Murphy and Donnell Rawlings. And um, Charlie Murphy canceled Columbus. And so working in the box office, I had to call everybody who had reservations to tell them that Charlie Murphy canceled. Oh, no. And most people wanted to cancel, but I was watching Bill's special on Comedy Central, and I was like, but Bill Burr's coming, and he's hilarious. You got to see him. Like, this guy's so funny. Mm-hmm. And um, some people stayed, some people canceled. And, uh, you know, and I was just like, oh, yeah. And, you know, like, I, I told him, I was like, I was rallying everybody. I told him to come see you because you're so funny. And, like, um, I got a CD from him, and he signed it. And it was nice. But I did the thing I do with all the acts where I'm like, oh, so I want to do comedy sometime. And I was wondering if you have any <laughs> advice, <laughs> you know? And, like, and he was just like, Oh, you never, you know, he's like, just do it. You're thinking too much about it, <laughs> which was right. I was thinking way too hard about it. Yeah. And like, not just, he was like, just, just do it. Um, and I knew like Greg Giraldo through Columbus. And so I went to, mm-hmm. when I went to New York and I remember Greg Giraldo was, saw me and he was like, I was talking about like, I want to go to New York one day. And like, he, he saw me at the cellar and he stopped, he was on his way to the bathroom and he stopped and saw me. He's like, you made it and gave me this huge hug, you know? And I was just, oh, I love oh, it. He was just, he was the nicest. I'm, I'm, yeah, he was like, he, you know, he was just like the nicest older brother type. He was you know? the fucking greatest. I wish I could have met him. I that that was that was a tough loss. He was really great. Yeah. Um. Uh. So that's that's also so crazy that you go from Columbus to New York and you know two excellent comedians when you get there. It's not like you know two assholes that moved there right before you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody was so like nice and encouraging. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, but like Greg Giraldo put me out. I was hanging out at the cellar and they were, there was a show called Friday night with Greg Giraldo. Mm-hmm. And he was like, do you want to be on it? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and um, he put me on that show and he gave me a line that was about like Jews and Palestinians that probably out of his mouth would have been much funnier. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm glad. Well, you have that forever now. You can cherish it. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to go on record saying that was Greg's line. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Blame the dead. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I offend you, it's it's a joke that I was given by. Uh, that was given to me by somebody who is long dead. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just, just, I'm just keeping your memory alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are Jews and Palestinians. It turns out they are keeping the memory of everything alive. This was this also like how funny that that was, you know, however many years ago. And um, here we are. Good callback, Middle East. Um, Nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> excellent callback. Um <laughs> So you're in New York, you're loving it, you're there for four years. Why did you leave New York? I I wasn't tied down to anything. I wasn't in a relationship anymore. I had been doing this scene for four years. I just, I'd gone to LA on a trip. I liked LA. I, I started doing, I did a couple shows while I was out there. And I was like, why not move to LA? And I remember I was on the, um, I was trying to, I was really debating in my mind. And you know, when you start to say something out loud to people, it changes everything. You're just yes. like, I think I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was on the 86th Street Crosstown bus at night going home. And it was it was winter. And I was still debating. And then um, I was sitting there with my headphones on. And then this, I guess he was homeless guy, turned around and said something to me. And I took my headphones off. And I was like, I'm sorry. And he was like, what did he say? It was something really aggressive. Like, I'm going to cut you, bitch. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, Oh, okay, cool. And then um, you're like, part on, I, and you move. I, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I said I'm gonna fucking oh. slice you up, and you're like, oh, sorry. Uh, for, oh no, it wasn't uh, kill- missing that. It was yeah. actually, I'm gonna kill you, bitch. It wasn't I'm gonna cut you. I'm gonna kill you, bitch. Perfect. And perfect. so yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Good to keep so, it vague because it's like, who knows what, what method is gonna work? You know. Absolutely. So I was like, this guy needs more space. So I got up to go to the back of the bus and he got up and then he, he tripped me. Um, and then I, I went and I sat behind this couple and this couple like had their newspaper and they just lifted. This is so New York. They just lifted it up to be like, that's your problem. That's not our problem. We're reading the paper. <laughs> They're like, we're not trying to die in this too. Like you'd go yeah. die in private. This is not, yeah. has nothing to do with us. Yeah. So he's still screaming at me. So I go to get off the bus, but I have to pass him. And as I'm passing him, he, I don't know where he got it. I don't know, like, but like he had a power bar he was chewing and he spit it onto my coat. And I just remember it slapped onto my coat and then just kind of slid down. No. And I was like, take care. And then I was like, yeah, maybe LA. Maybe LA. You're like, because in L.A., like, if you're on the bus in L.A. and that happens, at least you step out into the sunshine, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you're never on the bus, let's face it. And you're, um, and you're probably not wearing a coat either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, um, yeah, so that so that was, like, that was honestly my deciding factor. I was like, I am going. <laughs> that guy changed the trajectory of your life. Yeah. I love it. Wait, so uh, did you know anyone in L.A. when you went out there? Um, I was supposed to move with, do you know who, do you know who Mm -hmm. Maysoon Zayed is? No idea. Oh, okay. She's a Palestinian comedian. Mm -hmm. Um, very funny. So she was going to go out for a little bit. So we were going to share a place and Bill Burr was already out there. So I knew him. And then I had already gone out there to like do shows. So I'd met Mm -hmm. some people and, um, but I didn't, I didn't really know anyone else, you know? And, uh, Maysoon ended up not 
coming. So I'm staying in this apartment that didn't have heat. And you wouldn't think you would need heat in LA, but it was February and I needed heat. You do need heat, and it, yeah. And it was, um, do you know where it was on like uh, Wilcox and like Hollywood like area? Yeah, so, I used to live right there. Yeah, so like, oh no, yeah. So Hollywood Boulevard, like the windows were facing Hollywood Boulevard, I think. But like um, around the corner was a liquor store. And that mm-hmm. was like the scariest liquor store. So it's oh, just yeah. be like, oh, I'm on Hollywood Boulevard, LA. This is amazing mm-hmm. and glamorous, but it wasn't. It's the it was worst part of shit. the whole city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I got on Craigslist and um, I found a place in West Hollywood. And uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Nice. And did you love that right away? Or were you like, what I the did. fuck is this? It had a pool. Like LA was amazing. And then my place, uh, I called it the half because it was like one, two, two, three and a half. Um, but like I moved in with this guy named Tom and then I thought it was just going to be us two because the third girl was in New York, but then unbeknownst to me, she was getting a third person to move into, it was a three bedroom, but I was like, oh, we'll have a two people in a three bedroom. That's great. Mm-hmm. And a pool. And, um, and then the third person, she started sending people to look at the place and I was like, fuck that. Like I, you, you didn't tell me I would be living with a third person, but the third person ended up being, uh, my friend today and she lives in London. She's from London. Oh. My friend, Olivia. So, uh, yeah, so she, uh, she's like, so this beautiful, she's like, I'm a comedian too. And she's like a beautiful five foot eight English accent, blonde, skinny. I'm like, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're not allowed to be a comedian. And mm-hmm. she wasn't like a stand up. She was like a comedic actress and a host. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but yeah, we just were instant. The three of us were just, you know, instant friends. We had dinner parties and pool parties and like hung out poolside. Like it was just like so dreamy and then um she moved back because she had a show on comedy central but we kept in touch and anyway like we're still friends to this day that's great and then so you're how long were you in la seven years seven years and what made you i mean i know but for the audience like what actually no when's the first time you went over to london and did or like went overseas and did shows over there what made you do that i I think it was um 2000 13 or 14 I think 2012 maybe it was like somewhere in there um I had started to do military shows Mm -hmm. so like military tours so um I had this tour and like oh my god like I was working at BJ's as a bartender um Mm -hmm. you know the place in in Culver City oh yeah and uh and like god I hated my life um (laughs) and I was just you know how like I don't know and I was just like this tour came out of nowhere and I was going to like Italy and Turkey and, um, England was one of them. We went to Germany. Uh, we went to Kosovo. Like I was going fucking everywhere suddenly. And I'd been watching Anthony Bourdain. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm like going to be the female Anthony Bourdain. This is unfucking believable. But anyway, so I finagled it to like stay in London after that tour and stay with Olivia who I'd lived with. And, um, you know, and then I just, uh, I started reaching out. My first show was um, in, in London was like called Monkey Business, which uh, is still going on. But I'm um, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I just, you know, you start reaching out and emailing people. And then Liz, she, she was going to Spain for something. So I was like, you should come to London too. So we both started doing the like London circuit at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we both did uh, Angel Comedy at Camden Head. Um, and there was a girl named Julia... I want to say Julia Cameron, but I feel like that's the artist way woman. Um, 
sorry, I forgot your name, but she saw us and she offered us like, there's a club called Jonglers. So it's not there anymore, Mm -hmm. but she offered a bunch of, offered us a bunch of weekends at Jonglers like Mm -hmm. a few months later or something. Um, And, you know, gigs in London pay. And so around the UK, so like we got, I mean, they were spread apart over like a month, like six weeks, but we were getting paid. And so that would at least cover like the flight and the trip. And then we could start doing other shows and making more money from that. But that's what, that's what launched us both was that woman like booking us at Jonglers. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. And so you've, I'm assuming you just fell in love with London right away. I did. I loved it. Oh, the audiences here are just, you know. They're so good. They're so excited to watch comedy. They're so good. And they're so, oh my God, they're up for it. They're out. Mm -hmm. They think it's fun. And it's like, it's a, it's a thing. It's not like, I don't know, but like, it's just, it just suddenly comedy was fun again because I was in LA for seven years. The audiences in LA are like either other comedians or just people who like, if you're not famous, they don't really care. Yeah. You know? Um, and I was just doing shitty gig after shitty gig. I didn't even like stand up anymore. And then I started doing a web series. I was like, maybe I want to act and like, you know, make a mm-hmm. TV show. And uh, I was just falling out of it. And then London made me love it again. And I was like, oh, I want to, I want to do this more. And I had already been like sort of, I was already jaded about LA. I felt like I was in a bubble. I didn't feel like I was living real life anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with comedy, you kind of want to feel connected. Like, I already feel disconnected because I'm living a life that most people don't live. So it's like, I'm not doing the yeah. nine to five, kids, family, shit mm-hmm. like that. And on top of that, I'm in LA. I'm like, what am I even talking about? But um, uh, London just, I, it just all, it was just so, like, I just felt supported and loved. And like, I did the show at the book club. And then like, a friend of a friend brought a bunch of friends out. And then we all hung out after and it just had this familial feeling. And like, everybody was just sort of together. And, you know, even like London, like Sunday roasts, where everybody gets together at a pub on a Sunday by a fireplace and Mm -hmm. orders meals and just hangs out all day, this sort of culture of being together and and, like hanging out, like I loved that I wanted it um, more because I didn't really have that in LA. Yeah, like, we, we were together for the hiking and, you know, like I had a group of friends that we would like hike and write and go to open mics, but that started to dissipate a little bit anyway. And it's just weirdly more of like, a, it doesn't have like the hangout culture that like New York and in London have and other big cities. And I think it's because we just have more space. So people stay at home more because their apartment is huge where it's like no one stays home in, in New York. And it's not because they're like, I, I mean, I guess it it is because they're like social, very social people. But also, like, when your apartment is three feet by four feet, what the fuck are you staying home for? Absolutely, you know. Absolutely, if you're comfortable, yeah. L.A. Like, I mean, when I was staying at the half, like, we had a pool. My room was huge. Like, I loved my 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 roommates, and like, I was like, let's just. I just want to hang out. Like, when I'm comfortable at home, I don't want to go do comedy. So it's like yeah. you have to have like a garbage apartment to make you want to do like have stage mm-hmm. time like I've, I've lived in so many different living situations but the places that were like not fun I was like well I'll go out I'll have a drink I'll smoke I'll see people I'll do some stage time and like you know it was just it was a whole thing yeah um what made uh, you make the yeah. move to London so when I was yeah <laughs> <laughs> um one of the times I was out here I was like I did Edinburgh and then I was going to Paris and Stockholm another thing I love about London you can just say that yeah <laughs> that's it's like the road a four dollar flight yeah 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 exactly and uh but on the last few days of my trip i'd met somebody and uh 
we just kind of stayed, I, I flew home, but we stayed in contact over FaceTime. Mm-hmm. So we were like texting and then it was like, hey, do you want to get on FaceTime? So then we started FaceTiming every night for months. And then, so we got into a relationship before we'd even kissed. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then he came out to LA a few times, like three times. And by the third time he proposed to me, cause I was just going to go to London for the summer, but I was like, well, we're engaged. Why don't I move? So that's what brought me to London initially. And then you got there and we're like, fuck off. <laughs> well, <laughs> people change. No, but kind yeah. of like, well, it's also harder, like being with somebody all the time and being around them. It's a much different experience than just checking in at night. We were both getting into it for the wrong reasons. I think like mm-hmm. we both wanted to just feel sort of normal. Like yeah. just 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 have these normal lives that was eluding both of us. Just as mm-hmm. comedians, as uh he I mean he has his own shit that I don't think it's fair to go into, but like I yeah, you know, course. I think we both just I remember Mark Marin saying this about his first marriage, it's like he's like we both just wanted to be okay. And I think yes. we both just wanted to be okay in, in like our family's eyes and other people's eyes. So yeah. we're like, that's the normal thing to do. Get engaged, get married. But like you get to know each other in a real way. And we were, just became incompatible. Um, that's fair. Uh, I joke that he, it's because he shaved his beard. And I was like, whoa. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> beards, beards change your face. But like, um, yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was it was difficult, but like... But it was for the best. Yeah, and it's so cool that that is what got you to make the move to London because you're uh, now, by all accounts, thriving over there. Where it's and especially like, you know, I've talked to comics there when I've when I've visited, like because people are so helpful, and I've always offered like, oh, if you're ever in L- ever in LA, like let me know and I'll set you up with shows. And they're like, what? Nothing out there pays. Why would I come to LA? And I'm like, oh yeah, why would you? Like, why would you yeah. say it? Like. At this point, I feel ridiculous being in L.A. because I'm like, what am I doing here? I mean, I I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm getting I'm getting some things here and there, but it's also like just nightly shows just don't pay anything where or or they may they might pay five dollars where something in London will pay 50 pounds. And it's like, well, that's money you can eat with. You can do something with 50 pounds. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And then. Um, I mean, even here, people are like, oh, back in the day, you could really make a living from this. And, and you still can. It's just, mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I think a lot has changed. And and there's like such huge differences between the two places. And I like I've, I've gone into it in so many different podcasts. But like, I just think I like the comedians here, like for them to say, why would I do that? It's just like, I think the goals are different. I think. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. So it's just like. Uh, here there's this like we have the road and they have the circuit and that's the same it's sort of like the comedians who just sort of do the clubs get the paychecks and Mm -hmm. that's what they do and then there's the edinburgh comedians like that route and like that's sort of the la people who are like trying to do the tv and the things Mm -hmm. but the tv and the things here are like get on a panel show become a known name like your name you become like a personality that people know and then you get on all the things to the to the point where people are like i'm so sick of this person (laughs) because you're on all the shows now you know Mm -hmm. Um, and then you tour and you get the money from touring, but it's not, I don't know. It's not like, like in America, because you have writer's rooms, like you, that could be, a a goal is like to get into a writer's room yeah. in those jobs. And they don't have writer's rooms here. If you're creating a show here, it's like you and you, or you and one other person. That's yeah, it's a much smaller room. scale. Yeah. We're here. It's like a, hitting the lottery, getting in a writer's room. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. When you look back on things like, you know, all of your going from Columbus to 
New York to L.A. to London, is there something that stands out that, like, either felt terrible at the time or felt insignificant that looking back really changed things for the better for you? Well, I think it was, like, the insignificant would be going to Chipotle after <laughs> yes, totally. picking up an application. And um, I think the, like, really awful thing was, like, going through, like, the engagement and breakup, like, moving countries for someone, mm-hmm. having it not work out, and, like, just sort of, like, that, that time period was sort of dark. And, um, uh, but it but it got me, like, I'm here, and I do, I am thriving here. I do love it, you know, and I have, I'm in a relationship now. I have an agent, like, there's... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting all kinds of stage time. I'm like, I feel more in control of my own career here than I would in L.A. Because I feel like like you could still be in control of your career in L.A., but there's a lot of, like, other people needing to say yes, which you also need here, but I feel like it's more likely here. Like, there's yeah. less... It's just smaller. It's just, you know... So it just feels like I'm being heard. And I don't think... I've L.A. felt like... I always felt L.A. was like... I was in a, I was in the audience at it, like at a concert and arena trying to get the band's attention. Yes. Yeah. It does feel like that, especially because there's, and I don't know, maybe this does exist in London and I just haven't noticed it, but I feel like there's, uh, along with, you know, people that are doing the million people that are doing stand up because they love stand up. There's also a million people doing stand up because their agent told them to, for more exposure. Like they're just actors and their agent's like, well, you could be on stage more if you start doing open mics. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, sort of. But like, we're all, I mean, standups also do that to them because like standups true. are like trying to get acting work. And I think I do like that crossover about LA because mm-hmm. the standups are actors. There is that crossover. But here, it, I mean, it's changing, but it does feel more like standup is standup path. Acting is acting path. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I have to tell my agent I want acting work, you know? Because he's yeah. like, oh, okay, you know? It's like, oh, um, we never would have thought that you'd want to not, perform in a different way. It's not a given. It's like, a sh- I, I would think that was a given. It's just like, of course I would, of course I want to be put out for roles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. I have one last question for you, Maria. If your 11-year-old self, like your child self could meet you, what do you think she would think of you? I actually think she would like me. I think she would yeah, be like, of course. All right. <laughs> um, I probably like two months ago might not have said that, you know, but, but like, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in a good place right now. So it's just like, yeah, I think, I, you know, I, I think she would think like, well, well done, not just doing the normal route, I guess. Yeah. Do you think she'd be like, wow, like impressed with all the traveling too? Yeah. I mean, when I was 11, I had a poster. <laughs> when I was 11, I had a poster. And it was like this black and white poster with a character on a skateboard. And it was like, one mm-hmm. way, the other way. Go your own way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like the kid's version of those um, those motivational posters you see in office buildings that'll be like, you know, a giant waterfall. And it's like, you can conquer anything if you conquer your fears, you know, like yeah. these, they're so corny, but yeah. that's, it's like a, it's like the starter pack for those, those kind of posters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I must've internalized it though. So I'm like, bitch, I went my own way. <laughs> I love Sorry, it. I what know. is, um, what's some stuff you have coming up? Um, I'm just doing live shows. Is that enough? Like, I don't know. Like, what do I have That is up? enough. That is enough. Do you think you'll do Edinburgh next year? Because I'm asking I, selfishly because I plan to. 
Oh, good. Then we should do it together. We should, like, get a place together, too. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, Edinburgh, like, Dubai in December. I'm going to be, like, in... I'm going to, like, Glasgow and Nottingham and Oxford and um, where else? Um, Birmingham, like, August, September, October. And then around London. And, oh, I'm going to be in D.C. uh, mid-July, opening for Liz Mealy, so... I love it. That's going to be so great. Liz is yeah. the best. I mean, you're both the best. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on. It was really great to talk to you. Thank you for having me. That was fun. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, that was Maria Shahada. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Maria Shahada. It's S-H-E-H-A-T-A. And I'm Lisa Curry. You can find me on Twitter at Lisa underscore Curry and on Instagram at Olympia Lisa Curry. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, subscribe, leave a nice comment. If you don't like the podcast, please listen to something else. Don't torture yourself. See you next week. Bye.